Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Baby guts are a wildly active place. All sorts of bacteria, both the good and the bad, set up there during our diaper stage and continue doing so throughout childhood. A recent study led by a Washington University researcher shows that gut biome differences begin between 3 and 12 months of age. And what happens in the kid gut biome can put us on track for various tangible impacts and disparities that show up in health conditions and outcomes long after we're out of our nappies. Liz Malott is the author of that study and assistant professor of biology at Washington University in St. Louis, and she joins us now to talk about her findings. Liz, welcome to the program. Thank you. So let's set the stage. What is a gut biome and why should we care what's in it? Yeah, so your gut biome, your gut microbiome, it's a collection of all of the different microorganisms that live in your intestines and in your stomach. So it's bacteria, which is mostly what we think about, but also viruses, fungi, protists, and other little single-celled organisms that are running around in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And those microbes are actually really important. They Some of them are harmful or are sometimes harmful, but most of them are neutral or helpful. Mm -hmm. They constantly interact with us, um, and they do things like break down food you can't digest on your own, like the stringy bits of celery. Your gut microbes break that down and give you energy from it. So is that part of the interaction that you were talking about? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of the interactions that we maybe are, are not as conscious of but are happening all the time? Yeah. Um, So they're also involved in regulating our blood sugar and our blood pressure. They can increase or decrease inflammation. um, And they also protect us from pathogens. So bacteria that want to invade your normal healthy gut microbiome will actually help keep them out of your system. Mm -hmm. We'd like to invite you to join this conversation. What questions do you have about your guts and the bacteria living there? Do you eat or drink things like, uh, or with probiotics, that is like yogurt, kimchi, and kombucha? Why do you think it helps? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK, and we'll pose these questions to Professor Malat. You examined data for the study that we um, opened with that was collected from nearly 730 children in the U.S. between birth and 12 years of age. What is it that you were looking to understand better, and why kids? Yeah, so... We knew from studies in the U.S. and worldwide that if you looked at the gut microbiome of adults, we could see differences that were associated with racial groups or ethnic groups, um, the different classifications that are used in different parts of the world. Um, But we weren't really sure when those occurred. Um, We do know, though, that some of those differences in adults are linked to things related to health disparities. So differences in rates or severity of disease that are tied to social and environmental factors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were curious, when does when do these differences appear? At what point in childhood? 
sort of so we could both figure out what time period to target for interventions, but also sort of narrow down what sort of social and environmental factors might be most important because mm-hmm. kids of different ages are exposed to different things. Right. And they expose us to different things too. Yes. <laughs> now, before we came into the studio, one of the things that I noted was that there are um, many from St. Louis who are part of the uh, the data that you were looking at. Why is that the case? So Washington University's medical school was one of sort of the early places where a lot of gut microbiome research was going on. Um, And a couple of investigators there, Jeff Gordon and Barbara Warner, enrolled a lot of twins in an early study. And they've made the data from that study publicly available, Mm -hmm. um, and which has been really helpful. And so we included it in our work. Mm -hmm. Now, what is it that this study then contributes to or, you know, updates what we understand about the development of one's gut microbiome. Yeah. So during that first three months of life, um, really early in infancy, we actually don't see any differences based on race and ethnicity. Of course, the gut microbiome is developing during that time period, but it really seems to be tied to other factors, like whether or not you're formula fed or breastfed. But something happens after three months, either at three months or shortly after, where you do start to see a slight divergence in the gut microbiome between black, white, and Asian Pacific Islander kids, or then Hispanic and non-Hispanic kids. Mm -hmm. Was there one disparity in particular that really stood out to you as you were doing this work? I think one of the things that really stood out to me is that the taxa that we see diverge are taxa that we know we acquire from the environment. They aren't bacteria species that are inherited from your mom. They're not ones that you gain during the birth process. And they're also not ones that are heritable, that have are linked to our genetics. Mm-hmm. So it really is something in the external environment that must be driving the change. Mm-hmm. I mean, was that a surprise or something that you expected to find? Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, I sort of, that the finding was what I expected, but that wasn't true of everyone who was Um, part of the study. Uh, Some of the other investigators were surprised by the result. Yeah. We have Maureen calling in from Wildwood. Maureen, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was going to be on the air. Um, My question, I used to work um, with newborns. We would routinely give them a course of antibiotics. It was ampingenomycin, epicillinogenomycin. If the maternal temperature was over 100.4. And I was always concerned about the long-term effects we would have on these little guys. Um, Because often I just thought the moms were just taught from the long labor and delivery. Mm. So has any studies been done on the long-term impact? Yeah, Maureen, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Maureen. Uh So there have been several studies that have looked at early antibiotic exposure and the development of the gut microbiome. And we do know that it does change the trajectory of the gut microbiome. Um, And in some cases, it can make um, kids more susceptible to later developing allergies or asthma. But I also want to say that having antibiotics when you do have an infection is very important, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in kids who are really susceptible to infections. So I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't (laughs) want to. Sure, sure. We also have Ida, who is calling from Old North St. Louis. Ida, welcome. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I have 
questions about blood pressure. I was surprised to hear about the uh, gut microbiome having to do with that. And um, I've never heard a doctor talk about it. And I come from a medical family. So, uh, and I'm asking about high blood pressure and low blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Most, most of the research has been done on high blood pressure. Um, it's fairly recent work from a group in Australia, um, and they're finding that the gut microbiome really does, uh, can predispose you to having high blood pressure um, through something called short-chain fatty acids, which are a molecule that gut microbes produce. So if your gut microbes aren't producing enough short-chain fatty acids, you can actually develop high blood pressure. Um, but again, this is research that has only come out in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, is this field of gut microbiome study, is it relatively new? I mean, Ida mentioned that her family of, of doctors has never mentioned it. Yeah, so we didn't really have the tools to look at the gut microbiome until about 2009. So it is a oh. really recent field, mm -hmm. um, and we're learning a lot rather rapidly. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to learn about. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, there are some of these microbiomes that do transfer uh, from birth, birthing parent, from mom, mm -hmm. um, to the baby during birth. But most of them, as you said, they come from their environment after they're born. Which are the ones that do transfer? And do they have anything in common? Um, a lot of the ones that transfer early on are ones that are really important early in the life of an infant. So it's things like bifidobacteria, which is a bacteria that breaks down the sugars that are found in breast milk and formula. Um, and so it, it's those sorts of bacteria that are very important early in life seem to be the ones that are transferred during birth. Mm -hmm. Now, returning to the idea, right, about mm -hmm. why we should care about gut bacteria, you know, we've just had this call from Ida about blood pressure, things, you know, that um, that happen or, or come to light more as we get older. I mean, what are some of the, the tangible negative effects, um, health effects that stem from poor gut health? early on in life? Yeah, so there have been a couple of large studies both in the United States and in Canada that have shown that differences in the gut microbiome early in life, some sort of large disturbance either due to having a lot of antibiotics or malnutrition really early on or being premature, that those can then increase the risk of things like type 2 diabetes mm -hmm. or severe asthma, um, or other lung illnesses. Right. Well, and those are conditions, I think, that in insofar as what I have heard, they do correlate with race and ethnicity. They do. Now, what were the, the differences that were starkest among uh, the various races and ethnicities that you studied? I think the, the biggest difference, the largest effect size, was in the diversity of the gut microbiome. Um, and that is how many species of bacteria are present in an individual infant or child's stool. Um, and what we're finding, actually, is that kids who their parents identify them or they self-identify as black have higher gut bacterial diversity. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we tend to think of as something that is beneficial. Yeah, The more diverse the gut microbiome is, the more resilient it is to outside infections, mm -hmm. um, which that was rather surprising. Yeah. But we aren't able to follow these kids longitudinally. So 
we don't know how their gut bacteria will continue to change. Mm-hmm. Now, what is it that that can and should be done then, given given this information that we now have, and particularly from like a public health standpoint, what can we do? Yeah. So. What I'm really hoping that folks, that other researchers will do um, is look at individual factors that are correlated with race and ethnicity to try to figure out what is actually driving these differences. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things like exposure to pollution, um, whether what child care looks like early on, whether or not a kid is in daycare or mm-hmm. is cared for by family members or has a nanny, um, the introduction of different foods early in life. All of those could be driving these differences, and we really just don't know what specific factor it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that folks will sort of go after those. Yeah. We're speaking with Liz Malat, who is an assistant professor of biology at Washington University in St. Louis. We're discussing some of the findings from a recent study about the child gut biome. Now, this issue is one that is personal for you. It goes beyond the lab. (laughs) You're a parent of a toddler. So how is it that you view this topic as a parent? I mean, are there things that you were intentionally doing with your child to you know, diversify <laughs> their their gut biome. I mean, it sounds cliche, but um, making sure that our child gets a lot of time outside and mm. playing in the dirt so that they're exposed to a, a lot of different microbes. Yeah. Um, as well as having a lot of different social contacts, interacting with a lot of different friends and family seems to be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some studies coming out that were done during the pandemic that showed that um, having fewer social contacts is really detrimental to the Mm -hmm. microbiome. Mm -hmm. So Mark in St. Louis has a question. He asks, what is the effect of water quality on one's gut bacteria? Mark grew up drinking well water, so he's curious about what effect that might have had. I also grew up drinking well water, so I'm curious about that too. Um, I think that's something that we don't really have a good idea about yet. There are folks who are working on that. Um, One of them is here at Washington University in the engineering school. Mm -hmm. And we're we're curious to find out how different water impacts the gut microbiome. Yeah. So how much control do we have over what's in there? I mean, we get set up when we're really young. But what are some of the things that can be done? Yeah. Diet is still a really large factor in changing the gut microbiome, even in adults. Um, And so things like that we call prebiotics. You've heard of probiotics. You may not have heard of prebiotics. Prebiotics. Those are things that gut microbes, beneficial gut microbes, like to eat. Um, And it's it's advice that nobody wants to hear, but a lot of it are fibers. Um, So eating a higher fiber diet, Mm -hmm. eating a diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables and whole grains Mm -hmm. really seems to support having a healthy microbiome. Okay. And does that like give them a workout? Because you talked about celery. I mean, is that part of of how we support our gut health? Not just by what we're putting in and then like coming out, but what's actually happening inside? Kind of. Um, So there are different types of gut bacteria like to eat different things. And the gut bacteria that decrease inflammation um, and otherwise are beneficial like to eat fibers. Um, they're really into complex carbohydrates. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> um, 
So yeah, whereas gut bacteria that like to eat simple sugars tend to be ones that increase inflammation. Mm-hmm. So you know what then is the the biggest myth about gut health? Oh, the biggest myth. Yeah. Um, one that I spend a lot of time thinking about are actually probiotics, which probiotics do have a role, but the research behind them is actually really mixed. Um, But we see a lot of advertisements and we see a lot of probiotic products in the grocery store. um, And there are probably times when they're very helpful. Right after you've had a course of antibiotics, they probably are good at helping you reestablish your normal gut microbiome. Um, But your gut microbiome is a whole community of organisms. And so adding in just one species, it makes it's really hard to shift the profile of the community. Yeah. Um, and so and, <laughs> right. they may not be that beneficial when you are living your normal, healthy mm-hmm. life. So in the last 30 seconds, we've been talking about promoting healthy gut microbiomes in kids. What about kids' effect on parents? Does, do, does a child change a parent's microbiome? I don't know if anyone's looked at that. People have definitely looked at how household members change each other's gut microbiome and how your pets change your gut microbiome. You definitely share microbes with everyone in your house um, because you're all touching the same surfaces and touching each other. So they really are everywhere. Yes. (laughs) Liz Mallott is Assistant Professor of Biology at Washington University in St. Louis. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.